0: A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Send a lamb to the ruler of the land, from Sela, from the wilderness, to the mount of daughter Zion. And it will be that like a wandering bird pushed from the nest, so shall the daughters of Moab be at the fords of the Arnon. Receive counsel, daughter. Grant justice. Make your shade like night at the midpoint of noon, daughter. Daughter, shelter the outcasts. The fugitive do not expose. Let them settle among you, daughter, the outcasts of Moab. Be a shelter to them from the destroyer. For when the violence is no more, and destruction has ceased, and those who trample have vanished from the land, then in faithful love shall a throne be established, and on it one shall sit in faithfulness in the tent of David, rendering judgment and seeking justice and swift to do right. A reading from the book of Ephesians. For this reason am I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles. Surely you have heard of the commission to disseminate God's grace that was given to me for you all. Through revelation was the mystery made known to me as I wrote briefly. Moreover, reading this you all will be able to comprehend my understanding of the mystery of Christ. In former generations, this mystery was not made known to the woman born, as it has now been revealed to the women and men who are God's holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. That is, the Gentiles have become co inheritors, are of the same body, and sharers in the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Jonah. My pronouns are they, them, theirs, and I'm your lead pastor here at Zao. And uh, I'm just going to level with you guys. I'm feeling really sad today. It's heavy out there. And, and it's the kind of heaviness we know is there, right? We know it's there. We know the violence is always there. And then there are moments where we collectively turn to look, and we see laid bare the wounds, the wounds of our community that come to kill. And it just, ooh, that violence, that violence that we all feel inside of us, that collective, that generational wound of humanity. And we know that it targets some more than others. We know that black lives are not held as sacred in this world. And we know that certain systems are more to blame than others, and that is why here at Zao we are abolitionists, because we believe in a world beyond policing. We believe in a world beyond prisons. We believe in the kingdom. We believe in the kingdom. But I come to you today with a heavy heart because there are moments when I struggle to believe. I struggle to believe in that kingdom. I struggle to show up to this world of wound and violence where I am both victim and perpetrator. I struggle to believe that we can be made whole. But I do have hope, and that is what I'm here to talk to you about today, right? That's, that's kind of my, my gig, <laughs> is to share that hope with you. And every week, whether I'm feeling that hope or not feeling that hope, I'm drawn back to the text, to the scriptures, to the promises handed down to us by God and then, then carried generation through generation. Folks who are saying there is hope. We believe in this hope. We will build this hope with one another in the name of Jesus Christ. And so we have these stories, these texts that we put our hope in And it was in light of all of that reflection on these two texts this week that I woke up this morning and I looked out at the snow. Now, I couldn't help but be flooded with a memory. When I was about 12 years old, I was living in the Chicago area, and we once got 18 inches of snow in one day. It had been a pretty snowy winter, so we had several feet of snow, where I lived. And it was just after Christmas, so people still had their lights up. Now, my parents were the ambitious sort of people who put lights on the outside of our house. <laughs> I'm not one of those people. But I really loved that they were. And they had, they had these bushes right outside our front door. And before the snow had come, they had covered those bushes in this, like, net of bright white lights. And so all of that was completely covered by the snow, just not visible at all, still turning on and off with, like, a timer (laughs) underneath that snow. But I remember tunneling through all of this Thick, heavy snow, I got geared up, and I dug and dug and tunneled until I had carved out a hollow just big enough for my little 12-year-old self to comfortably sit in. And I built it right up against the bushes so that those bright lights, uncovered by the snow, shined into my little snow cave. And even though it was snow and freezing out, it was actually much warmer inside my cave because the walls of snow sheltered me from the wind and insulated my body heat. I found myself taking off my hat and gloves as I settled into stillness and a kind of quiet. It was so quiet. You know those snowy mornings when you go outside and you just feel something's a little different because the snow just absorbs everything. The snow can hold so much for us. And in that stillness, in that quiet, there's a kind of intimacy. In my snowy cave, it was so still and so quiet, I could feel and hear my own heartbeat. Now, I would go in there and read because I was a nerd (laughs) or I would just sit and be alone. It felt like such a protected place and after a tough day at school, because for me in middle school every day felt a little tough, (laughs) I'll be honest, I would race home and crawl into my little snow shelter and feel peace, protection. Now, honestly, there are a lot of moments in my adult life that I wish I could just crawl into that quiet, Christmas-light, bright snow cave of protection. And as an adult, I, I do. I just have different snow caves. One of my favorites is actually sensory deprivation. There are places where you can go that will put you in this tank of water in the dark, and you lie floating in this very small pod in the dark, in the quiet, and again you are alone with the beating of your own heart. I highly recommend it, although you've got to be prepared to be alone with yourself in the stillness. Another place that I find protection is snuggled into the arms of my partner, or I had found it snuggled up close to my cat, Festy, hearing each of their heartbeats along with my own. And one that I long for every winter is that I can go out and be fully alone on Lake Michigan, on a paddleboard, close enough to the shore that I feel pretty confident I won't die, but far enough away that the noise of civilization dulls to a quiet hum, and I feel both the eternal movement of the earth in the water and the stillness of a moment truly alone with God. It is in these moments that I find it most natural and easy to feel the presence of God. When I feel protected. When I feel the quiet of my own body in movement with the world. Now the scriptures describe God in a number of ways, but one of the images that comes up a lot, especially in the poetry of the Bible, is that our God is a sheltering God. Now some of the more powerful men in history have liked to envision God's protection, God's shelter in these like literally massive ways. There's this very famous Lutheran hymn called A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. But that always brought to my mind something very sinister, right, this like looming fortress in the sky bearing down on the peasants. It just wasn't for me, I didn't feel protected by that. But when we go to the poetry, one of the image that comes up a lot is that we are protected in the shadow of God's wing. Now, when we think of the shadow of God's wing, I don't know what birds come to mind for you. Maybe a dove. That's one that comes up a lot in the scriptures, the beautiful dove. Dove. I think when we think of that power again, there's often this kind of like, maybe it's a bird of prey or an eagle. And Jesus uses this metaphor, sheltering under the wing of God. Except Jesus gets very specific. Jesus alludes to God as a chicken, which I'm guessing is not the bird you were thinking of, but it's the bird Jesus is talking about. A chicken, awkward, small, somewhat silly. God as a chicken, God as a hen, a mother hen, gathers her chicks under her wings. And because I've been around chickens enough to know that they're silly, but not enough to know what it's like to shelter under their wings, I went to YouTube. I was like, I'm going to have to wrap my head around this one. One of the first things that came up is a video of a chicken in a rainstorm. This chicken is standing big and broad with her wings out, and it's raining and pouring down on her. And her, her kind of oiled feathers, the rain is just sliding right off of her and under her big, broad, outstretched wings, are all these tiny chicks that are just kind of squished up to her. They're tightly packed, and their soft, downy feathers would not react to the water in that same way. They would have been soaked. But here she is, and her head is tall, and she, she looks massive. There's another video I came across regular day, but a loud sound in the background makes the chicks Get frightened, and they all dart under the mother chick or mother hen, and disappear. And all of a sudden, they're just—they're gone. There's just like one really fluffy chicken. There was another one I liked. Another normal day, good weather, sun was out, and this big, fluffy chicken with huge feathers and wings. She's just sitting there but you, you see this kind of little scurrying movement down by her feet. And all of a sudden, a little head pokes out of her feathers and then darts right back in. And in the final one that I saw, there was a farmer that comes towards this very plump, round chicken just sitting on the ground and he picks her up and underneath are more than a dozen chicks that you, wouldn't, you would have no idea were there. And we get again this image of this warmth and intimacy, a kind of closeness. It's it's not pretentious, it's not trying to dominate, it's just warm and kind and protective. That cold fortress, no matter how mighty, cannot convey that kind of closeness that kind of shelter. It's missing the Christmas lights. It's missing the heartbeat. It's missing the stillness. The closeness of a God who is just a bit more waterproof than we are, who always seems to have more room for one more chick to welcome into the fold. Our text from Isaiah calls on the Jewish people calls them Daughter Zion. The text instructs them to be a refuge to the vulnerable women fleeing Moab. Moab was under attack, and so vulnerable Moabites were fleeing to safety, coming to Jerusalem, and God's people were called to shelter them. They were called to be like God to them. And I think that there's something that we can relate to in that feeling of seeking refuge. How many of us feel like refugees in this world from time to time? Yeah. Refugees from structures of violence. Refugees from churches and families that rejected us. We are a room, we are a body, we are a community of people sheltering from the violence and rejection of the world. And we are a community sheltering one another. We are at once the daughter of Zion, daughter Zion, and the fleeing Moabites. And it is this strange concoction of both shelter seeking and shelter provision that the church has in its DNA, in its history, in its potential for good. Because the kingdom is made up of people who are vulnerable enough to need shelter and who are powerful enough to offer that shelter to one another. This is what solidarity means, to come with what we have, to receive what we need, and to know that through the abundance of God, that is enough. That is enough for right now, that is enough for our daily bread, and that is enough to change the world, that is enough to build a kingdom of hope, a future that is different, a future where all have been sheltered in love and protected. Now, our sheltering God has called us to be a sheltering people. But in this case of daughter Zion, it sometimes feels like a big ask There was not always a friendly relationship between Israel and Moab. And we know that in our context too, sometimes refugees can be treated as enemies. There are so many layers to this, so many structural and institutional layers, the ways that these wounds have torn us apart, that peoples are pitted against one another, that People of different religions and faiths have been pitted against one another, and we see that narrative a lot in the refugee conversations in the United States. Are they the right kind of refugees? Do they believe what we believe? And so we have these historic wounds that deny our essential call to shelter one another, that say, oh, we'll shelter, but only our people, and only under these conditions. And every time we engage in that, we are failing in our call to be a sheltering people in the name of our sheltering God. But there are other times where those refugees, they feel like a threat for other reasons. Maybe their people or they have harmed us. And this is one of the situations that we get into when it is not a people of privilege sheltering the marginalized, but the marginalized called to shelter people of privilege, which happens too in this mixed up, turned upside down kingdom where God comes in a special way to those at the margins, where the people of God most close to God's heart are those at the margins Because the people of power and privilege, alienated from the heart of truth, come seeking that truth, but they come from their places of power and violence, seeking shelter from that violence, but needing to shed it as well. And now, our little circle of protection needs to trust, needs to participate in, that shedding of an identity, laying down of power and violence and empire to align with the vulnerable and the marginalized. And it doesn't always go great. There are folks here who have been marginalized, and there are also folks here who have done that marginalization. Sometimes those folks are the same folks. I can't tell you how many people have come to me to say, to confess, I have been a part of this. I have coerced people into saying the sinner's prayer, they tell me. I have told gay people that they're going to hell. I have made people feel judged and scrutinized and not good enough or not holy enough. Can you forgive me? Do I belong here? They have caused some of the same harm that the people that receive them have fled from. And this brings up a strange dynamic in the brute. Because when and where our identities align with the margins, we experience oppression and we need shelter. And when and where our privilege aligns us with empire, We are required by our faith to be traitors to empire. And if we do that faithfully, that means we need shelter from that too. And so each of us, all of us, are called to shelter one another. Who here is a refugee from abusive forms of evangelicalism or abusive forms of Catholicism? Who here is a a refugee from heteronormativity, a refugee from white supremacy. Can we really leave these things behind? That is the call. We cannot be a sheltering people if we are bringing weapons into our protective, intimate snow cave. We have to lay down, we have to lay down the tools of empire. We have to become a traitor to our cultures and places of origin if those places are empire aligned. We have to choose against the abusive cultures we may have been raised in. We have to choose against white supremacy culture that we are all steeped in. This is the call of the community of faith. And it feels so soft and simple when we say, let's shelter one another. But it is no small task. There is hope our text from Ephesians highlights something else. Because as I mentioned, God has a special kind of closeness with the experience of those marginalized, the experiences of oppression. This is at the heart of our faith and our tradition, that the Jewish people are God's people, that the Jewish people are a deeply marginalized people, that God comes first to those who have been rejected and wounded and cast aside. But God does not come only to them. And this is where in Ephesians we have the author writing as Paul, saying, hey, I know, and God did choose the Jewish people, and God chose the Gentiles too. God is close to the queer, but has chosen the straights too. God is close to black folks, but reveals God's self to non-black folks too. God moves through experiences of immigration, of marginalized language, of disability, of cultural identity, in ways that have something special and something unique in those places that are outcast and marginalized. And God calls to to each heart that is wound up and webbed up in empire. It says, free yourself, cut yourself loose, flee to the margins. I have asked them to shelter you. I have commanded you to shelter them. Now, not everyone will choose shelter from violence. Some will choose violence. Some still believe that it is violence and empire that will protect them from violence and empire. It's what we've been taught day in, day out. That if only I can embrace my power and privilege, if only I can align myself with those systems and empire, then I'll be safe. And for some of us, I I can understand the choice. Someone I love grew up in the Pilsen and Little Village neighborhoods of Chicago. He's Mexican, he's poor, he was smart and funny and kind, and he was thinking about becoming a cop. And I begged him not to. And he said, Jonah, everyone in my family is either a cop or a correctional officer or in jail. Can you blame me if I wanna pick the gang that's winning? It can be so tempting and so rational to align oneself with power and empire. But the call of faith is to trust in one another, that we can do better than that, that we can shelter one another, that we can protect one another in radical and different ways. And so we must grieve. We must grieve those who would choose against that shelter Because in this moment where Jesus brings in this beautiful, sweet metaphor of the hen, the mother hen gathering in her chicks, it is actually while he is wailing and weeping over Jerusalem. He says, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those who were sent to you, how often... How often I have wanted to gather your people together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you didn't want that. Our God is not coercive. Our God is invitational. Our God is powerful. Our God is healing. Our God offers wholeness, but our God will never coerce or force. And so, God calls to us as we call to one another to build a sheltering community. And we have to grieve the ones who continue to choose empire and violence. We grieve those black cops who choose blue over black lives, who are swept up in the power and violence and cruelty of evil. And while we weep, while we rage, while we fight to protect and demand justice for those like Tyree Nichols and so many others who have been brutally murdered, we will also shelter one another. We will also heal. We will welcome one another. BIPOC folks and white race traitors alike Queer people and straight people who relinquish queerphobia. Trans people and cis people who lay down the binary. We will build a community of shelter that stands against the violence of imperial norms. And we will do it without pretension. We will do it as lowly chickens. We will do it with a sense of humor we will gather under the wing of our mother God. We will be as a, as a mother hen to one another. We will huddle like vulnerable chicks. We will hear the heartbeat of God as our hearts and the hearts of our kin beat together and our collective warmth will shelter us against the storm. Will you pray with me? God, We know you weep over Jerusalem, and we know that each of our hearts contains radical, wild faith and terrified, terrified desire to be protected by the same violence that bears down on us. We pray that you would give us the strength and hope to be aligned with you, aligned with one another, faithful to the kingdom. God, we pray that we could see what you see. We pray that we could receive that vision that you have offered us through generations, through Jesus Christ, that the world can be made whole. And God, whether we are connecting to the fullness of time or here in this moment, vulnerable to grieving, raging against, the wounds that are. God, we pray that you would be a protecting force, that you would gather us together, that you would wrap your warm arms around us, your wing. God, may we shelter together. May we sing songs of hope and liberation. May we feed and feast with one another. May we offer one another the water of life that you have given us to quench our thirst. God, we know in you all things are possible. And so we pray that you would make those things possible in us and that like our sheltering God, we would be a sheltering people. Amen.